Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hi, friends. Welcome to the men's room. We get a lot of different types of people in here, but today we have a guest who's really well connected, and not just because he's one of the main decision makers at a large telecommunications company. He's also running a program that's helping startups grow, thrive, and connect. Please welcome the chief commercial officer of Touch, Nadim Hatter. Welcome, Mr. Hatter. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so Touch in Lebanon is part of Zain, uh, one of the top five telecom providers in the Middle East. Etisalat is number one with uh, 12.1 billion US dollars in 2018, 140 million subscribers in eight countries. Zain, in comparison, just to put it uh, in context, is the fourth uh, largest in the top five. They had revenues in 2018, or you, uh, well, not you personally, I'm assuming, <laughs> of $3.4 billion. And uh, Just over, you have 50 million subscribers. That's across eight countries. Exactly. Not in Lebanon, obviously. Um, so explain what it is exactly that Touch does, and why does Zane need a local carrier with a different name? Okay. Um, Touch is a peculiar operation in the in the telecom world and a special operation for Zane. Uh, the way telecom operates in Lebanon, that it is still public owned and there are not full licenses to operate uh, privately like elsewhere in the world. And that's why we have a management contract with the Republic of Lebanon to run the telecom network that the government owns on their behalf in exchange for uh, a management uh, management fee. Uh, yes, on that uh, note, actually, there there was a deal in 2004, right? Exactly, the that's the one where we were awarded uh, the management of uh, uh, of this uh, network for the government of Lebanon. But we definitely leverage all the economies of scale and the economies of skill and the know-how of Zain to bring uh, telecommunication products and services to Lebanon. Mm-hmm. However, given that it's still public-owned, there are a lot of uh, guidelines and restrictions. For example, all of the tariffs have to be approved by the government of ministers and, and the sort. What can you tell me about... Uh, MIC2, the mobile network that Touch took over in 2004. Yeah, MIC2, MIC2. stands for Mobile Interim Company 2. So it's the actually the, the company name of the government-owned asset. And Touch is the brand. So this network today has uh, 2.5 uh, million customers. And we have uh, the market share of 54%. Uh, Uh, we're very proud as as MIG2 for delivering uh, world-class telecommunication products and services for the Lebanese. And we strive, given all the um, regulatory and and market uh, conditions and constraints, to be able to do our, our best job here. So Zane has six subsidiaries, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Touch is the only one that's not owned by Zane. Instead, yes. it's basically yes. owned by the Lebanese state. Exactly. Uh, why is that? Uh, it's a Lebanese decision. So the, like any any uh, government-owned asset, it's up to the government to decide, are we going to keep it? Are we going to sell it? Are we going to partially outsource it? Private-public uh, partnership. There are a lot of models around the world. But usually it's the decision makers and the legislation and the owners as government. So let's talk about the uh, young, uh, the innovative, what do you call it? Touch Innovative Program that Touch launched in January 2018 uh, in partnership with ArabNet. And it's a program where you select high potential entrepreneurs and offer them mentorship and support to further their startups. Tell me about it. Okay. Um, this thing is very dear to my heart and it's something we really are uh, enthusiastic and we like doing. 
Uh, we think that uh, telcos need to be close to the digital ecosystem. They need to be close to innovation because all we have been d- doing and mostly doing is selling SMS minutes and megabytes. But we would like to venture into other stuff like selling digital services, music, uh, content, and even more advanced uh, digital services like uh, uh, Uber or what have you. So w- to, in order to be um, to get exposure and relevance, we, we started, uh, we're probably the only only company that has a corporate accelerator, which is Dutch innovation program. So what we do is that we onboard uh, six startups every uh, six months, and we go through a process with these startups where we try to uh, define a business model, see how we can do partnerships. Uh, The background for this is that we get approached by a lot of people and a lot of companies uh, and a lot of stakeholders saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You have a lot of customers, how we can tap into location, messaging, uh, direct carrier billing. So tell them, you know what? We don't know the answer. Let's put you in a program. Let's talk. Let's, uh, Let's do workshops to converge on an opportunity. And um, what I really like about the program as well is that we assign internal mentors. Okay, so you have actual touch employees that are working with the entrepreneurs. Given that we're a publicly owned incumbent, once you get a lot of uh, your teams working with entrepreneurs, you get this exchange that's very, um, very healthy for both. Because entrepreneurs sometimes are uh, green and they're new and they don't know how uh, to log on accounts receivables. And you also have the, uh, the, the employees that have been doing more of the routine work. They get exposure to more innovation and entrepreneurship. Definitely. And that has been really successful. So, so can you give me an example of, uh, of one or two startups that uh, you've worked since with? Since we're talking about podcasts, there's a startup called Fallon that they want to uh, do uh, podcast, uh, aggregate podcasts on an app. And we're working with them, for example, to put a data package, for example, a certain amount of megabytes that are whitelisted. You can use them for free on this one. Uh, Another one is an e-commerce platform that we're uh, working with. Uh, Another really interesting one is uh, two ladies that are working on uh, the Internet of Things. They have this, uh, it's an agri-tech solution where um, they can identify what kind of pest is on the tree. And we're giving them really, uh, it's called narrow band IoT, which is a technology in order to communicate quickly between the sensors and their uh, servers. So they can identify using artificial intelligence what kind of pesticides and they can tell the farmer what pesticide to use. So mm-hmm. r- right now, farmers in Lebanon, they blanket uh, the spray. spray the whole uh, fields. Yeah. So with this one, you know that you need to use this pesticide on this tree. What's it called again? Uh, the company is called IO3. Okay. So how how do you how would Touch then continue to work with a company like that? I mean, it's a super interesting project. The technology, Yanni, what we did, we did a proof of concept a hotspot for them. So this. Uh, narrowband IoT technology that we're using for them to communicate, we did it for a small uh, region where they're testing. Okay, if this grows and we want to do it all over the country, we'll probably deploy it all over Lebanon. And this is one use case, which is the the pests and Mm -hmm. what have you, but it can be used for a lot of sensors. Okay. Are there any sectors you think have a lot of potential right now other than uh, pests and... uh... (laughs) (laughs) You know, content is always nice. Music, video, this is is definitely on the upside. I also like uh, fintech. 
يعني a lot of uh, there's a lot of convergence between telecoms and payments and transfers and uh, investing and uh, Uh, small loans, peer-to-peer loans, these things tend to be on the rise. Uh, yeah, so when you're talking well. about fintech, uh, financial technology, I guess it's short for, it's mainly focused on mobile payments, mm-hmm. like what you just described. And sorry, it's in yeah. financial inclusion. So a lot of people look at something to be done between finance and telco because not everybody's banked. So not everybody has a bank account, not everybody has a credit card, right. but everybody has a phone. Mm-hmm. So they tend to look at ways where you can do a mobile wallet, store some money on your phone and then use it for payments. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of success stories in this space in telecoms and with Zain. We have Zain Cash in Iraq that is doing very well. Is that just in Iraq? Uh, it's also in Jordan and, and other countries as well. It worked uh, It solved the problem for uh, refugees because not a lot. You, know, you yeah. need to transfer money for um, NGOs needs to work with them, and sometimes you need to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they don't have bank accounts. So, so would it be so? Why don't they have? Why don't you have Zain Cash here in Lebanon? We're working on it. However, in Lebanon, usually uh, regulations and regulatory protection tends to uh, be an obstacle to innovation. So the banks are very protected. Yeah, today. because you know that's one major complaint that you hear yeah. a lot. Is yeah. I mean, pe- people all over the world have access to services like PayPal, mm-hmm. which you, you can't use in certain countries, including yes. Lebanon. When do you think uh, we can expect to see those kinds of services in that in Lebanon? And um, why? Why is it taking this so This is long? a very interesting question, and I think more effort needs to happen with the central bank and with the regulatory to uh, to liberalize a bit uh, the financial services. Now, it's very bank-centric. It's, uh, the banks are overprotected uh, in Lebanon, I think. For example, your PayPal example, this is the simplest fintech. Okay, the simplest fintech yeah, is having a, a wallet yeah. to to have money. Now in Lebanon, to do that, you need a full banking license. Okay, to be able to store money on a virtual uh, wallet on a phone or on a computer, you need a full banking license, and nobody is ready to get that if they can uh, to do this. So it's it's very hard to uh, to disrupt uh, banking. Mm. But it seems like a small fix. Like it seems like if you, if they really wanted to change it, they could look to other models and kind of replicate it, you know, and isolate that issue without changing the whole banking system. I agree with you, but in this country, uh, think there's a lot of protection. I would say, mm-hmm. and and there uh, it depends on the stakeholders and the banks and the whole uh, ecosystem. But we're seeing any. I, I think the BDL is looking for a fintech win. And we're we're tr- we're starting to see signs uh, in the right uh, direction mm. of uh, deregulation. What are some of the things that you you think will uh, help? We talked a little bit before about how Zayn is uh, in the top five, but it's still way behind uh, Etisarat, for example. What are some of the things that uh, mobile carriers do to compete with each other? Um, I would say. Um, And sticking to SMS minutes and megabytes is not on the right side of history. So the more you uh, you bring in digital, be it uh, content or even some fintech services, the more you are relevant. And what we've learned that the you the more you are relevant to your uh, addressable market, the more you can acquire and retain. So people want to join uh, this brand. Uh, I think if we can move to becoming the Uber of telecoms, the Netflix of telecoms, 
the more we will be able to to grow. Uh, we need to be part of the uh, millennials' economy. For example, millennials now all the, they want to watch their Netflix, they want to ride their Uber, they want to use Totter's Grubhub to order food. If we can tap into this kind of economy. I think it'll uh, it'll do us uh, very well in terms of Do you have any relevance. specific ideas? Uh yes, I do actually. For example, uh, a quick thing we can do in telecom. Now uh, you need to call the call center, you need to go to the shop. We can deliver uh, lines uh, to the home just like uh, food delivery. What do you mean? For example, you download an app and you say I I need a new GSM number and we have a, a last mile delivery uh, guy come to your house with a SIM card. Okay, yeah. That, that makes could be, sense. That could be interesting. Definitely. Uh do you have any thoughts on I mean there seems to be like a bit of a shift in uh the mobile phone uh industry. Mm-hmm. Apple has been really dominating the game, but then there's all these other phones of course Huawei which mm. has been very mm. controversial. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on those things? Um unfortunately in Lebanon we were not doing that. We're not doing the handset business because if we have to do it we have to subsidize like other operators you know they sell it for cheap yeah. it's usually a two year lock yeah. up period. Yeah, why don't you plan. do that here or in Lebanon? This started This started from competition, right? So telcos wanted to compete with, with each other and they said, hey, listen, customer, come take an iPhone. It's for cheaper and stay with me for two years where you can pay and I can make money. Uh, for us to do subsidies in Lebanon, we're not in real competition with MIC-1. So we're, we're not doing these things because subsidizing handsets is actually not good for the cash flow of telcos. So if you look at AT&T and Verizon, whenever there's a new iPhone release, their stock goes down because <laughs> they know they're going to pay a lot of upfront money uh, to give discounts on phones to customers. So we're not doing that. Having said that, uh, we're not really in the handset business in Lebanon. We're, not, we're more providing telecommunication products and services in terms of uh, plans and bundles. Uh, but yeah, the phone, uh, the phone war seems to be very, very dynamic. Uh, and even Samsung, which was doing very well, now we're seeing other uh, Android uh, uh, operating system phones that are gaining a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of market share from Samsung. Apple seems to be stable on the, on the high-end segment. Uh, I'll be very curious if at one point Facebook wants to launch uh, a phone like uh, there really? was a rumor. Did there was s- a rumor at one point. Well, like recently? Uh, not very recently, no. Yeah, well, you know, I think it would be a hard sell. But I think, no, the, the reason I bring this up is yeah. because I anticipate one more um, layer of disruption on the phones. Phones have been a bit stable for some time. There has to be a next big thing soon, I think. What it is, I don't know. We have to wait for Elon Musk, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it might just be a, a, you know, a chip, an implanted yeah. chip <laughs> There you go. in your arm. I mean, at some point, that will yeah. probably happen, right? Do you think that will happen? Uh, it's, we're, I'm going to say we're there, but the eSIM is almost uh, something similar. Now you don't have to buy a SIM card anymore to put it in the phone. It's already in there. You just yeah. provision the network yeah. that needs to work. So, so actually, just uh, to go back to what we were talking a little bit before, you know, you also have a GPS in every form, in every mm-hmm. phone. It, cannot the carrier uh, see on a, don't they have like a kind of network map where they can see where all their users are? Of course they do. Oh, okay. And even without GPS, we do it yeah. on something called cell ID. So for every tower that we, every site, we know who's connected. 
in real time. So we were doing location even before GPS came into uh, into play. And how many towers are there uh, for a touch in Lebanon, just to get Almost a sense? Almost 1,500. 1,500. Mm. And let me ask you this question also. Um, a lot of people now are using uh, other services besides their uh, voice uh, mm-hmm. data. They're using um, apps, you know, like WhatsApp and stuff to make phone calls. Does this affect the cash flow of a carrier like oh, you? Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. Has it, felt uh, we, it call, a lot? we call these applications OTT, over the top. So they're a layer that they sit on on the network, but we actually don't make money from them. A little bit of uh, revenue from data usage. However, they really eat into our core, which is uh, voice revenue and voice erosion. We've been losing a lot of money on voice because of everybody's doing VoIP, voice over IP calls over WhatsApp. At one point during um, last year, the number of minutes over VoIP almost exceeded the classic uh, minutes. A lot of people are using it. And it's very convenient, you know, because you're chatting with some. Everybody's using WhatsApp. So you're talking to someone uh, on WhatsApp. And instead of going out of WhatsApp and then pressing another button, yeah, going you, just to the button you just click and you make your call and even voice notes. Let alone people are not very happy talking anyway. You know, a lot of people are just avoiding voice in general. If you see the more the younger generation, they stick probably to uh, emoticons only, yeah. not even uh, text. They're so, basically going back to being like yeah. cave people without uh, language. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, le- yeah. less, in a way. Less, less effort yeah. has always been uh, convenient. Yeah, so. I mean, it, but that's bound to affect like communication skills and uh, language probably. But that's another... We're always system. worried about the next generation, yeah. but they tend to figure it out And somehow. outdo us right, also. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but how do you counter that? The, the, the loss of, uh, you know... That's voice. why we're doing all these innovation programs. We're looking for the next big thing. Um, so, this SMS, megabytes, and minutes are are no longer um, growing as much as we would like them to grow. Uh, let alone what um, what's happening today, that Google and even SpaceX, Elon Musk, and even Facebook, they're looking at providing and Google Fiber. They're they're trying to provide connectivity. So even the the, the incumbent telcos like us, Vodafone, AT and T, uh, they're very vulnerable to disruption where you will get your megabytes. Through satellites. Through satellite, yeah. exactly. These satellites in 2020, the planets to cover the whole Earth. Yeah. Okay, so our role will be really diminished. So we have to figure out what uh, what the next big thing is. But believe me, Yanni, the industry is all at the crossroads and we don't know what it is. So uh, to get back just a little bit to fintech, do you have any thoughts on um, you know the different uh, technologies like blockchain, cryptocurrency? Um, people are kind of confused by mm. what that all means. We talked about uh, you know obviously not being able to use like um, traditional uh, having money invested uh, you know on a computer or on a phone. But what about those kinds of technologies? Is that a- an option? Um. I want to be careful with this one because it's a bit controversial. It is still uncharted waters. Yeah. Okay. So now, okay, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, very nice. But then again, if it's a currency, it cannot be that volatile, right? So when you want to pay with something, you want to know what's how much you're paying, the conversion rate. Okay, you pay in pounds. Yeah. It's $1.26. It's fine. But Bitcoin, every day... Uh, it's so volatile, you don't know if you want to keep it, sell it, exchange it. It's a little stressful. Exactly. So yeah. but, I, mean, I think we need more time to figure this out. 
blockchain is just another mechanism or process to make sure that things are secure and they're registered in a, a lot of places and it makes things uh, fast and secure, which is nice. It's just uh, a protocol, a mechanism, which is nice and, and, and good, healthy. Uh, but otherwise, I think we need more time to uh, see more use cases and uh, leverage this uh, technology uh, better. Okay. All right. So where <laughs> would you like to see touch and mobile mm. car- carriers in general? Or where do you think they'll be 10 years from now? What do you imagine and envision? Actually, I don't want to sound uh, pessimistic, but I, I, uh, I think the post office did not invent the email. And right now we're in post office mode. So unless there is uh, some radical change or we are able to really crack something, I think it's going to be very tough for us to... And I'm very pragmatic, so I say uh, we need to be very careful as telcos about the future and how to go about it. Uh, The threats uh, outweigh the opportunities at this point in time. Uh, We have to work on the next big thing and see how we can remain relevant because at the end of the day, you can only monetize your your relevance and how much people want and need your uh, your, uh, services. Uh, the, The solution is transforming into a digital operator. A digital operator operates in a radical new way. It, re- it operates like Netflix, like the Ubers of the world, and it's still not uh, issue the bill and wait for the payment. Uh, it has to be more... Uh, seamless. Seamless, less effort, uh, more customer experience. But this transformation is not easy. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take effort. And maybe we need to do some radical changes to, uh, uh, to get there. Well, Zayn was actually uh, the first mobile service in the Middle East, right? In mm-hmm. 1983? Yes, in the Kuwait. So speaking about the post office, I yeah. mean, imagine, what did the phones look like back then? Did exactly. they have phones? Was it like... It was pagers, actually. Oh, really? That, what they, what, That's what, what they were back doing? In the 80s, oh, was pagers, but it's still mobile, t- mobile telecommunications. Yeah. yeah, pagers. Those were uh, cool, right? Uh, for doctors. <laughs> um, so who knows? Let's see what, mm. if uh, who will mm. be... Uh, kind of leading the next revolution um, in this region, in the world, with uh, that with uh, tel- Telco. So thank you so much for coming in. And thank you for having thoughts. me. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Men's Room. You can find us on hakawadi.com and on themensroom.show. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and comment. Goodbye. Goodbye.